Hey folks, it's the old humble guy here. You're listening to my favorite podcast, Heated Agreement. And if you're living your best life, you're sipping on a glass of old humble whiskey. Our straight whiskey is made from 90% corn and 10% malted barley and aged five years in used bourbon barrels to give it a nice, light, sweet finish. We take a portion of that whiskey, put it back in new five-gallon barrels, and age it a second time to make our special reserve. Both whiskeys are clean, easy-drinking whiskeys that taste the way whiskey should taste. If you haven't done so yet, head on down to Specs and get yourself a bottle today. And if you want to be a partner with us as we grow, we have an excellent investment opportunity for you. You can find details on our website, oldhumbledistilling.com. Come grow with us. Cheers. I just have a very hard time expressing my emotions, and I can't stop from yelling. So I'm very sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but I'm not going to stop yelling. Heated nation, baby. I'm talking about Lynn Bowden right now, so why the hell do I care about Anaya Smith right now? Because I have an opinion and I said it. Hey, everybody. Welcome on back in the Heated Agreement. I'm your host, Jorfi. Today, we have a special guest. Mr. Aaron Torres will be joining us shortly. Today, we're going to be covering the Mount Rushmore, I guess you could call it. Our old segment of first or worst is coming back. The Mount Rushmore of Houston sports athletes. And to steal one from the Barstool show, Mount Flushmore. So we're going to do our first or worst athletes of the Houston's professional franchises. And then we're going to have Aaron Torres on. And then Woody may make a surprise visit for some SEC Mad Libs. We'll see. He, uh, we think he has the COVID. So we'll, uh, we'll see if he hops on with us or not. But all of that beside us, welcome on in. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. George Springer, gone. Deshaun Watson, next. Let's see. Uh, James Harden, we, we talked about – yeah, question mark. We talked about James Harden on the last one. Uh, James and Flounder, y'all weren't really here for that. Do y'all have any comments on that before Aaron hops on? I don't have any comments that are good. <laughs> <laughs> because I went, on a really whole, I went on a whole terrible childish rant, so don't feel bad. I, I this mean, was I, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll let voice. James take. The, I'll let James take the lead on this one. This was the only end that could have happened because this team was heading towards a tank. If it wasn't now, it was going to be in a couple years. He wasn't going to be around for the tank. Um, he was going to want out. We didn't want to trade him, so he kind of had to force his way out. Uh, which is what you saw. There was a whole, there was a Reddit theory that um, explained kind of what happened. And, you know, it's a conspiracy theory, but it makes a lot of sense that Harden started dogging on purpose so that they would realize they suck without him um, and we would have to trade him. The net situation, Kyrie was sitting out intentionally so that everyone would think Kyrie was crap and they wouldn't want to trade for him so that the Nets could keep all three or two and then add Harden. Um, so I think it was inevitable. Like this was Harden was going to get traded. He wasn't going to stick around for the tank. And now I think this actually helps the future because the, the 2021 first round pick for the Rockets is top four protected. So if the Rockets suck enough, they get to keep that pick. Oh no, we suck again. So the, the tank is on, the tank is on and the Rockets are going to have a top four pick. If they don't, finish in the top four, they get the worst out of Oklahoma City's, Houston's, and Miami's first-round picks this year. So we've also uh, 
when you put it that way. We've lost to some shitty teams already, so the tank mm-hmm. could happen. But this just shows that this team wasn't going to compete even with Harden. This team went from last year, you know, Western Conference finalist to whatever the hell this is, you know, like a, a team that could finish in the bottom four because all because you lost your star. That was the difference. In the, I mean, Harden made – Harden could have kept us by as a first, second round playoff team, but what does that do? You know, it just prolongs the period until you have to start tanking again. Houston wasn't winning a championship with Harden anymore. The, the, that ship had sailed with the CP3 trade. Boundary, uh, your turn. Well, Angry, I do not disagree. Hey, don't, don't, don't just kiss his ass. Don't be scared to rip him a new one. I ripped Harden a new one, and I knew I was wrong, but I needed to do it. Well, it, it hurts in the yeah. moment. It hurts yeah, get, in the I moment. Think, get it off your chest, homie. I think that's the biggest thing for me right now is it's definitely like I know, I know it's a, an incorrect take, but I'm still just so incredibly pissed. It's just, I, I really think for me it's, it's that it ended if, – if it had ended more amicably, I think that I would feel differently about it. But I completely agree with James and the fact that this is the only way that this is going to end. It's kind of like one of those – it's kind of like what Casey Donahue said in his famous song, everything ends badly or else it never ends, you know? And it's like, I feel like in 10, 15 years, James Harden's going to be able to come back to Houston and be remembered for some of the most incredible basketball in the history of the NBA. You know, I mean, you can talk about, you know, scoring numbers, you know, MVP. I still think he should have won back-to-back-to-back MVPs. But that's neither here nor there. You know, right now, I hope the Nets, I hope KD cares another Phillies and the Nets absolutely suck for the rest of the season, which is not going to happen. They're probably going to be playing for the championship against the Lakers. But yeah, I guess that's that's all I really got. Damn that you went full Woody real quick. Yeah. Guy that I think has the best chance to be a superstar is Jason Tate. I brought in Aaron Torres. Good to have you here, brother. Let's hear it for Aaron. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Y'all ready for this? Hey y'all, it's time to welcome in our guests for the show this week. As usual, our guests are brought to you by Law Terrain Watches. Right now, over on lawterrain.com, you can use the discount code DASH40, that's D-A-S-H 4040, to get 40% off on the Compass, Red Crest, Legacy 2, and the 1893. Law Terrain Watches, it's time to tell your story. Time to welcome in our guest, Aaron Torres from Fox Sports. I would say notoriously, but that's not the right word. He's just very well known as one of the good guys in sports. And we've heard a lot, we've heard a lot of good things about you. Sorry about my voice. Um, but just, I really appreciate the way you were working with us. All of that. Uh, you guys haven't talked to any Louisville fans or, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> fans. Because some people think I'm like the, like the, the jerk of sports. So... That's a nice surprise. I don't know if you got the right one. But, uh, <laughs> I guess we're about. I guess we're about to find out then. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. We like to get to know everybody. So, kind of uh, your journey to where you're at today, and and when did you know you wanted to get into sports? And just kind of tell us about yourself. We're three Aggies from all over the Southeast Texas area, so we're just kind of curious to get to know you. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, sometime when I have a little bit more time, I'll, I'll get into more of this. But, you know, really, um, you know, I always grew up loving sports, you know. And, and I think back in when I was young, you know, I'm probably a little bit older than you guys. You know, there weren't really that many paths into it, right? Like now you can start a podcast, you can start a YouTube channel. Um, you know, and if you're talented, you, you know, you, you can build a name for yourself. And so I, I always love sports, but I always wondered, can I make a career out of it? Is it a career that I can make any money at? You know, we all say, you know, money isn't everything, but, you know, we all want to have, uh, you know, nice lives and all that stuff. And so, you know, I, I went to school, I did go to school for journalism and I went to UConn University of Connecticut and, um, studied everything and all that stuff. And when I got out, I kind of got away from it for a year or two. And, and I really just realized how much I missed it. And so when I, um, you know, was 22, 23, the thing everybody did was start a blog. And so, you know, I started a blog and, and you know, kind of grew it from there. And, you know, a long story short, I, I worked for a time at foxsports.com before it shut down. It's actually since been relaunched, but at the time it was shut down uh, in 2017. I was part of the, uh, famous pivot to video if you if you guys can google that it's uh you know when 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 there was some new management they they cut all of us writers and so you know i bounced around since then i've been very fortunate uh you know latched on with fox sports radio first kind of just as a guest like this you know mostly with college basketball and then as time went on you know i kind of just kept kicking down the door and was had the opportunity to host a few shows now i host every saturday uh night and of course uh host the podcast and, and cover college football and basketball for a number of different outlets but you know to, to kind of directly answer your question you know I just I love sports I always grew up around sports you know I was always the guy uh you know creating my own NCAA tournament bracket in my you know room as a kid and you know I just I've always loved it I've always loved talking about it and being around it and so you know it's easy for me to say now it was a no-brainer it took me a while to get here uh to get into the profession and stick with it but I'm glad I did because I love it quite a bit. Quick question to follow up on that before we get into ours. Um, when were you at UConn, if we don't mind, if you don't mind us asking, because we're going to put it compared to the basketball program, but. So I can tell you exactly relative to the basketball program. I was there 04 to 07, and um, I got there the year after they won the dual national championship. They were the first school ever to win a men's and women's national championship in the same year. I got there the year after, which really sucked. Uh, but, you know, I actually, when I was a, uh, the year before, I, I went up quite a bit during their run. They had, at the time, a Mecca Okafor, Charlie Villanueva, guys like that. So I'm probably a little bit older than you guys were probably expecting. Um, and, you know, the year that I was there that really was notable was 2006. They were uh, the best team in the country all year, number one seed. This is the men's team. And they actually lost to George Mason in the Elite Eight, very famous. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so – that was the year I was there. You know, I still remember where I was, what I was doing. Uh, it's crazy. You know, they had played a Sweet 16 game, actually, that they probably should have lost before that George Mason game. They played Washington. Um, and I remember where I was for that game, too. But, you know, obviously, having come the year after they won a bunch of national championships, I knew that it was probably this was going to be the chance that I got to see one myself. And so I wanted to enjoy it but unfortunately uh, it wasn't meant to be and then oh by the way the year after I left or I guess two years after I left uh, they made it back to the final four in 2009 so uh, crazy but you know I love my experience at UConn I, I, I you know I still love the Huskies to this day and uh, you know it just was a great experience for me to love going to school there. Okay uh, did them being a basketball powerhouse influence your decision to go there at all? 
So it's a great question. Um, you know, I grew up in Connecticut and, you know, okay. for the longest time I wanted to go away from, I wanted to go away uh, to a different school. And so, you know, I actually went to the university of Rhode Island for a year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I don't even know now why I chose Rhode Island. I mean, there's a couple of reasons why, but, um, you know, within a couple of weeks, I, I kind of realized it wasn't for me. It wasn't, you know, a community, um, for people who know university of Rhode Island, uh, there's, like a beach probably about 25 minutes from campus and, and most of the kids actually rent out beach houses during the school year um and it's really cool but you know there was no campus vibe there was no nothing and there was no sports vibe i mean i thought it would be you know a lot like you know my experiences at uconn you go to the big games you and your buddies and it just wasn't like that and so yeah absolutely it was a huge factor um in why i chose to go go to uconn when i transferred um, because, you know, it's kind of funny to joke about now, but, you know, the football program had just uh, transitioned to the FBS level. Dan Orlovsky was the quarterback. I actually played poker with Dan Orlovsky a few times uh, later <laughs> up in my kind of days. Um, I cannot believe that he's, like, literally the most incredible ESPN analyst that they have. He does unbelievable work. But, you know, he was there, the football program. It wasn't, you know, Texas A&M or – or Bama or, or Tennessee or Florida or Georgia or whatever, but it, it was pretty good. They, you know, they went to bowl games when I was there. And so, yeah, going to a 40,000 seat stadium to watch football every weekend. And then of course, once basketball hit, it was all basketball. That was a huge part of why I went. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, everybody's got to make the decision that's best for them. But, you know, I do think, and, and I, I don't know if you guys would agree or not, but campus life to me is an important part of the college experience. And that was a huge reason how I ended up at UConn. That kind of takes it into the next part. There's two parts. Number one, do you think that looking back at it now, the college football college football playoff committee got it right? And number two, did it really even matter outside of the recruiting bot situation where, you know, if A&M or Cincinnati or OU gets in, then they can recruit towards, hey, we're right there. We just need you to get over the top. Other than the recruiting situation, did it really even matter? Well, it's funny because, you know, I was on Texas Radio uh, Thursday morning when there was a commitment that literally broke during my segment as some big offensive tackle. So I guess it really didn't impact the you know, <laughs> Texas a in a negative way. You know what I'll say real quick, and I'm going to get crushed because I flags and I respect the hell out of you guys and all that stuff. I, you know, I really think the committee got it right. You know, I, I, I hate it for Jimbo Fisher. I hate it for Texas A&M. Uh, you know, I'm not somebody that feels like we have to expand the playoff, but I do feel bad that A&M didn't get their shot. Um, but, you know, you look at, at really basically any metric. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Notre Dame had won – first of all, they won the ACC regular season title, and I know it was only because Trevor Lawrence was hurt but or had COVID, I guess. But, you know, they won the ACC regular season title – um, you know, they had more overall wins. They had more top 25 wins. They had more wins against teams with winning records. And it wasn't AM's fault, but, you know, it wasn't AM's fault that LSU stunk and that Auburn fired their coach. But what they were essentially arguing was, uh, you know, a win over a Florida team that ended up losing their last three games. And so, you know, I feel bad for those players and that coaching staff. Um, I do think they got it right. And I think at the end of the day, we were arguing over two teams that had really bad losses. And I think, you know, AM's strongest argument, unfortunately, would have been to play better against Alabama. But I would also kind of follow it up to the second point that, no, I don't really think it mattered <laughs> because as somebody that picked Ohio State to win outright against Alabama, 
Uh, I can tell you pretty clearly that Alabama was definitively the best team in the country. Uh, it is ironic, by the way. I feel so bad for Notre Dame. You know, the last two times they've been in the playoff, they got killed by Alabama this year and killed by Clemson in, in, in three years ago. And both years, they ended up being more competitive against those teams than when they actually got to the national championship. You know, Notre Dame was way more competitive against Alabama than Clemson or than Ohio State was. So, you know, I think they got it right. I love what Jimbo Fisher has done. It's incredible. Uh, I'm not sold that anything would have been any different if Texas A&M had gotten in. Would it have been cool? Obviously, for you guys as Aggies fans, of course it would have been cool. And then on a bigger scale, you know, would it have been cool to get some fresh blood, somebody different? Yeah, it would have been. But I think if you're looking at the metrics that are supposed to be used for decisions like this, they did get it right. Flounder, you got yours? Uh, Yeah. So I was kind of thinking sort of along the same lines of like, did the committee get it right? (laughs) So what are, what do you do if you're an, uh, if you're a group of five conference right now, like it, it kind of seems like everyone wants to say they need to see the consistency. Like if you're a U of H or a UCF or now coastal Carolina or Cincinnati, you know, they can't create that consistency unless they are given that opportunity because they can't recruit at that same level as any of those other schools. And, you know, I guess that kind of opens up a whole nother can of worms, but just your opinion, if you're a group of five conference right now, like, do you go this step to create your own playoff? Like since the committee obviously like isn't interested or do you still want that recognition of the CFP in case one of y'all gets ranked super high and then you get into one of the more prestigious bowl games or something like that? Like, I'm just kind of spitballing. It's a great question. Um, You know, and it's so funny because I'm not one of these people that believes we should expand the playoff. And it kind of just goes back to the last point I just made is that, you know, most years we have trouble finding four teams that we can definitively say are, are worthy um, and so to add, you know, four more or eight more or whatever it would be, two more to make it six, I don't think we need it. But, you know, I also did kind of flip my opinion a little bit this year because the committee so egregiously went out of their way to make sure that uh, Cincinnati wouldn't even be considered. And, you know, I know it's water under the bridge now, but, you know, there were two weeks in a row where Cincinnati didn't play and they dropped in both weeks. And the committee was like, well, you know, they're not on the field. They're not playing. Yet since yet Ohio State missed three games in a five-week stretch, and they never dropped one spot. And so, you know, when I look at that, I just said it's so obvious that they're doing everything they can to not only not let Cincinnati or a group of five team in, but not even let them, uh, you know, have the opportunity to compete for a spot. It was never that – they were right or wrong or that Cincinnati deserved a spot. It's that the committee went out of their way to make sure that they didn't even have an opportunity to get in. And so, you know, I heard Mike Oresco, the, the commissioner of the AAC say this, and I think he's right. He was saying, let's go back to the BCS. I mean, at least the BCS, it was unbiased. It was computers. There was no human element to it. The BCS, even when there was only two teams, was actually fairer than this current system. Um, and so, you know, I'm not an expand the playoff guy, but if we're going to call these teams uh, FBS and we're going to say that they have a legitimate shot to compete for a championship, you got to give them that legitimate shot. You can't make up reasons to keep dropping them. And that's exactly what happened to Cincinnati this year. All right, James, uh, you want to get your question in real quick? We got two more quick questions for you and then we'll let you go. Sure. Yeah, I was going to ask about um, Tennessee and everything going on there with firing Pruitt and bringing in, now they just brought in an AD and all the, 
players are transferring and really do you think they're going to hire a coach or is Steele going to be the interim coach for next year and then also how long will this set them back you know with how long will it take to recover from a whole season of an interim coach and everyone transferring out and all the bad publicity coming with it yeah you know guys I don't know when this will air but what I'll tell you is is that you know I think there was a good sign on Thursday and that's that they went and hired Danny White, DAD at Central Florida. And I know he's got a lot of flack. He was the guy that called Florida, Central Florida, the national champs, all that stuff. But I bring it up because, you know, you can't hire any coach, let alone a half decent one until you know who you're going to work for. And they needed to get an AD in place. They need to get him in quick and to get Danny White, pretty quickly, I think was a great sign. And two, this guy has kind of an incredible track record of hires in both football and basketball. Not that it's relevant, but he was the guy that gave Nate Oates his first chance as a basketball coach. Nate Oates is tearing the SEC on fire right now. He gave Scott Frost his first head coaching opportunity, which led to a 12-0 season in his second year. And so I, I think he's a great hire. Now, to answer your question directly, even with a great AD, you know, it's going to be tough for Tennessee because, you know, it, the, the, there's the great opportunity to coach in the SEC. But when you're talking about a program that, forget the transfer portal for a second, you know, you don't even know what's going to happen with these NCAA sanctions. And, you know, as we've seen with this college basketball, with the FBI stuff, we could be looking at two, three years before we get, um, you know, clarity on what is going to happen with this NCAA stuff. And so, you know, I think I still think it's going to be relatively tough to get a coach, but I think having a young AD that has had success hiring before, I think it's great to get him in and get him in now. And then just the question becomes, you know, what kind of hire can he make in this climate? Because obviously it's going to be really, really, really tough. Yeah. Going into basketball, you can just kind of like a one word answer, obviously, or not obviously, but to me, it seems that, you know, basketball is following the footsteps of, football this year where the more senior laden teams are having more success due to everything. Uh, It's the first time since JFK was in office that Kentucky, Duke, and UNC haven't been in an AP poll. Out of those three teams, obviously it's really easy to say North Carolina, but do you see any of them making a run kind of like Syracuse did a couple years ago where, you know, they catch fire at the end of the season, they were argued that they don't belong, and then they make a really good run in the tournament. Do you see either of those three teams making a run? You know, I think all three could if they get in. But I think at this point, it's pretty safe to say Kentucky's just not going to win enough games. I mean, you look at the crazy thing about Kentucky, the toughest part of their schedule is right in front of them. Their next five games are brutal. And so I just don't think they're going to get in. Duke, I don't think they're going to get in. So if you, if you ask me about anybody, I think it'll be Carolina. But I don't think Carolina is going to be like that 11-12 seed like Syracuse was a few years ago. So you know, the talent is there, and it's taking longer for, to your point, everybody else to gel um, just because of the weird offseason. But I just really, you know, I don't really see those first two teams getting in because you look at both of them, and again, frankly, their toughest part of the schedule is ahead of them. Um, so I don't know how many Kentucky or Duke fans we have listening to this show, if any, but uh, I don't know if it's all Aggie fans or what, but uh, it, it's going to be tough for those teams to uh you know, it's going to be tough for those teams to get in, but if they get in, they can absolutely win a game or two. All right, Aaron, we're going to let you go. Sorry we kept you a little bit long. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend, and I guess go Huskies. <laughs> go Huskies. All right, thanks, fellas. Go Ags. Uh, I do got a roll. Thank you for having me, though. Have All right, yes, sir. You too. Bye. Thanks, man. Have a good one.
guests are brought to you by La Terrain Watches. Go check them out, LaTerrain.com. They have a new special going on right now. If you use the code DASH40, you can go get the Compass, the Red Crest, the Legacy 2, or the 1893, all 40% off on their website. I'm telling you, these watches, they're dope. Go check them out. Some of their ambassadors include Vernon Maxwell, Steve Francis, multiple former NCAA athletes. I could go down the list forever. If I wasn't broken remodeling my house, I'd be all over this. But if y'all go use that discount code, maybe I can afford one myself. Dude, did you say Vernon Mad Max Maxwell? Vernon Mad Max. Everybody hates Utah Maxwell. <laughs> Yeah, dude, they're, they're, they're the real deal over there. They're, they're up and coming. Um, I've said this on a couple of recordings that I've made for promos and stuff, but, uh, you know, it, I would hop on it now. Um, they're not very expensive. I mean, they are because they're watches and they're nice. They're very nice watches. But comparatively, they are not very expensive watches. But I don't think that's going to last very long. <laughs> so hop on it now they're gaining a lot of steam i wouldn't be surprised if it just skyrockets this year but anyways yeah so thank you aaron torres for hopping on that is brought to you by la terrain watches go check them out and with that i guess we'll go ahead and move on into our next segment. Hey, hold up i wanted to oh yeah go ahead um Sorry. He mentioned Tor- Torres mentioned that Kentucky's next five games are their toughest games. Uh, here's their upcoming schedule: Alabama, Texas, Missouri, Tennessee, Arkansas, Auburn. Is there four yeah. top ten teams there? Uh, well, Missouri's in. Is Tennessee? Who else was there? Alabama and Missouri. Alabama Neither- is playing like a top ten team. They're playing like one, but they're not ranked one. But right. either way, like. They'll be lucky if they win two of those games. Yeah. Um, y'all have any other closing remarks on what he said? Uh, no, I, I like what he said. I about um, the outer five. It's um, or group of five. I don't. I don't know why I always call them the outer five. I think it because it runs. Well, that's five. because they're always on the outside looking in, Flounder. That's why. Yeah. yeah, and it literally is. And and he and he made a really good point, and I completely agree with it in that. You can't keep telling them like, oh, you got to do better. Yeah, you're a part of this and then not give them any kind of a chance. And and it's not that the committee got it wrong or anything like that. But, I, you know, I don't have the solution on it, but I, I know that this ain't the answer. And I, I, I kind of echoed the same thing about the BCS. Um, I don't remember who said it. I saw it on Twitter and I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. This year of all years would have made more sense for like a BCS style system. But no, uh, uh, he's a cool dude. Uh, he talked about the... That the contradictions that the uh, committee had, especially with like Ohio State staying where they're at when they weren't playing and Cincinnati falling when they weren't playing. Um, and I think that's the biggest problem. That and yep. they only talk about like the group of five. Well, you got to show it year after year and be consistent. But with exactly. every other team, it's this year. That's all that matters. If you went by what happened in the past, Notre Dame would get left out every year because ah, you haven't proved you can play with the big boys. Literally. But every time they get with, the them, with them, they it's a different year, play. different team, but not with – Cincinnati, they have to prove it year in, year and year out. And UCF has to put year in and year out. And that's bullshit. I was thinking Same with U of H. Well, U of H never finished the run. I don't think they have an undefeated oh, season. Herman always lost to somebody at the end. Well, yeah, they I mean, lose to some bullshit Herman. team. Well, they I'm talking have, about like – They didn't have the playoffs before Herman. They, I mean, they weren't – Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, 
I think I'm they, just saying two though, years because... in between Herman. At, so Herman, at, there was two years of the playoffs between the BCS yeah. and Herman at Houston, and yeah. there was a reason that he took the head coaching job at Houston, and it's not because the guy left for a better job. No, absolutely. Dude, Wasn't it? I Apple keep thinking Urban's going to hire him. After him. Dude, I keep thinking that Urban's going to hire him. Apple White was after him. Okay. Yeah, he was after. And they thought that he was the second coming, but he definitely wasn't. But so was Charlie. <laughs> so is Sark. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that Sark isn't your guy, but I, no, 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 no. All gas, no bra- I'm gonna hit a little bit of the brakes. Get, let me see. <laughs> let me see first. Just a little bit, yeah. Because that it's it's. I thought uh, String had a really good point in that Urban was the the two whales that Texas wanted over the past decade were uh, Urban and uh, Saban. And they couldn't get Urban, so they took his offensive coordinator. They couldn't get Saban, so now they took his offensive coordinator. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize that. The timeline's a little, a little yeah, screwy. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, oh, like yeah, the, absolutely. They're trying to get the head coaches were on opposite searches, but. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't disagree. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's one of those facts that um, you can kind of it's, – it's a little bit manipulated, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Can't think of a better yeah. term. All right, y'all ready for this? <laughs> um, I've been thinking about this all week. What the hell yeah, is he doing? I'm dancing and singing, dude, because I am excited. Woody's not here because. I decided to put something on Twitter. He got a little angry because I was right. And then he's not here to defend himself. Oh, this is what you're excited for. Oh, where is I get to crap on Woody for as long as I – okay, not as long as I want, but for a long time without him being able to do anything. (laughs) He's going to have to wait until I go through and edit this and then put it out there for him to listen to. And he's going to have to go through all of Aaron's steel – all of the preludes, all of that, and then hear me crap on him for 30 minutes. You diabolical son of a bitch. <laughs> all right. First or worst, Houston professional athletes. This is in honor of a conversation we had on Twitter. If you want to go find us on Twitter at Heated Agreement, we also are a part of the DSM family, Dashboards Media. You can find Dashboards at D-A-S-H underscore sports with a Z. You can find all of that on Twitter. And we do a, I wouldn't say every day, but most days, a question of the day. And our question of the day is where does George Springer rank all-time professional athletes in the state of Texas? I I did a tiered system. Um, we're actually going to do a Houston-based deal because that's kind of what got the conversation kicking. I was talking about Houston athletes. But uh, I think he's behind – all your guys like in Dallas and the Spurs. So the guys that won multiple championships. So that would be Tim, Troy Aikman. Um, if I remember correctly, James, correct me if I'm wrong. Irvin was, Michael was not a Three part time? of all, what? Three-time champ, maybe? No, I don't think he was there for all of them. Or Emmett wasn't there for all of them. Dude, I one, think... of them one of them came later. But anyways... So you got those three. Yeah, Michael got, Irvin's a three-time champ. And then I only put Tim Duncan up there. And then I had a second tier B with Manu and Tony and and all the champion winners. Um, 
and stuff like that. And I had Springer above Biggio and Woody flipped out. So based off of that, we're going first or worst Houston sports athletes, professional athletes. Who would like to start with their first? Go ahead, James. Okay. Um, are we just – you want to just go through all five yeah, of them real quick? Yeah, just go through all five of them, and we'll debate it as you go through the list. Okay. Um, Hakeem, number one, easy yes, number one. I think we all agree on that. Um, and then I guess the rest of these are in no order um, for me. I'm going to go with Andre Johnson, Biggio, Springer, and Harden. And this is going to get a lot of – Oh, hate, but I think I think everyone will you know give it a couple of years and people will calm down about this. But yeah, it didn't it didn't end the way you wanted. He didn't win a championship, sure, but he took you to the conference finals three times, <clears throat> something yep. like that. Knocking on the board, um, won an MVP, won should have won more. Um, uh, CP3 hamstring injury away from winning a, a NBA to fi- uh, finals. True, you no one can convince me differently. Too um, soon. Um, and God, that still hurts. Ugh. You know, and, and provided a you know eight years something of just <laughs> consistency of competing, of playing at the highest level. I I don't. It feels weird to not give a shit about the NBA because the Rockets suck. Because um, it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Um, I was yep. just thinking about that the other day. Actually, I was I I, I texted uh, a Spurs buddy of mine and said. What do I do when my NBA team sucks? Because I haven't been like this in like eight or nine years, and you've been doing it for two full seasons now. Yeah. So <laughs> you can choose to hate on him for how it ended. Um, I don't think it's his fault, honestly. I think the reason it went to shit is Tillman Fertitta is an oh, yeah. awful owner. So I'm not going to blame Harden for how it ended. I'm going to appreciate what Harden gave us for nine years or whatever. Um, and I got, just think back to how excited we were when we traded for him and he popped the fuck off immediately. So True. he's in the top. He's in the top five for me of Houston sports. Uh, Flounder, let me hear your five before I pop off on him. Okay, so we're allowed to repeat, right? Yeah. Or do we need? Okay. Yeah, no, you can repeat. So I actually did uh, ten because I thought that we were doing ten, which <laughs> makes my worst list a whole fucking lot easier. But um, anyways, so first. Hakeem, there's not even a if, – if that's a debate question, I, I will punch you in the face. Uh, Biggio, I'm going to put him over Bagwell just because I was there to see him become Mr. 3000. And it was – I mean, he, he just – like what he did for my Astros fandom as a child. Like I ran into him at a Cavenders one day. He, he signed a ball for me. He's just one of the coolest guys, man. So for me – He's got to rank that high because it was so special growing up. Um, underneath that, I don't know how you can't go with Earl Campbell. There like, it is. Legit- how did you leave him off your list? Legitimately, um, you know, I mean, he's got some of the most picturesque, like, highlights in the history of the NFL. I would have put other Oilers on there, but, I mean, he was just so iconic. And then, uh, what is that, three? Okay, so I'm kind of I'm messing with these a little bit now. Underneath that, you got to go with Andre Johnson, man. The dude, he was just the – I don't know what the right term is because 
I guess you could say speak softly and carry a big stick, especially after that one time he beat the shit out of Cortland. That's what exactly. That's what I was about to ask you. I don't know. <laughs> okay, he still he would still been real close. But if it weren't for the Cortland Finnegan situation, I think I would yeah. have a totally different aspect on his career. I still would have loved the shit out of him. I still would have been one of my all-time favorite athletes to ever walk in Houston. Yeah, just don't know if he'd have been top five. That is an all-time moment. I will be telling my grandkids about that. I will haunt 100%. my great-grandkids with that story. Hundred percent, dude. I uh, I wasn't at the game, but I mean, it, it it's it's one of those moments that'll live forever in Houston sports history. And uh, it, it was kind of unfortunate, especially because Andre ended up getting the game ball that day. You know, <laughs> and he was in the locker room afterwards, just like, man, I'm sorry that my antics kind of kind of cost us a little bit on the day. And it's like, I don't remember what the final score was. I know the Texans won, but like, it just, it, it was one of those moments that was so uncharacteristic for him. And it was like, oh, okay, Andre, like, I don't know what Cortland did to piss him off, but it must have been warranted because Andre doesn't do that to anybody. So that's why especially when he's talking about, you know, Deshaun, it's like that was his first tweet and like his first actual tweet in like, like six years or something. The rest of it's like crown Royal ads. So, James, I remember talking to you when it happened. I was like, I, I, maybe it was Andy or our dad or somebody like that said something along the lines of, uh, you know, what, what do you think went down there? Like, was that Andre's fault or was that Finnegan? I was like, I mean, if you just go paste off the past, it had to have been Finnegan. I mean, oh, yeah. Andre had never shown anything like that. And then all of a sudden you're never. like, oh, my God, where did <laughs> that come from? Off. Yeah. So I don't I don't know <laughs> yeah. what he said. I would love to build this pot up one day where we could have Andre on one day and he tells us yeah, what man. was said. But Dude, that would, uh, be, that would be incredible. But, you, you gotta so, I think it's after. one of those what, what's said on the field stays on the field. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. But I would love to ask him. I'm sure make, I would make, love to make get him tell you no. Make him tell you no. <laughs> I'll ask. I, I he's never on social media though, so we'll see. Yeah. But uh, no. And so when anyways, he is, he's blasting Jack Easterby. Yeah, in fact, dude, so. Jack Easterby. That dude makes zero sense to me. If Jack Easterby can become a powerful official in the NFL, you can do anything, kids. <laughs> uh, so after that, this is going to be kind of tough because my last couple are are really really close together and it's not even that I love this player that much but I gotta put a rocket on there other than Hakeem I guess I really don't have to I could throw another Astro no you know what no 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 no, no. we're going with it because I've got him on the list Yao Ming he's a Hall of Famer Ooh, if, that's if, a good one if if T-Mac was was in the Hall of Fame which he will be one day I think he might be higher for me on this list just because I loved him more as a player but what Yao was able to accomplish, especially at his size, you, you know, I mean, not just with the Rockets, but, you know, with the Shanghai Sharks to get that kind of international recognition to be, you know, whatever the first overall pick in the draft. I mean, he just it, it was it was a cultural phenomenon that was that was going through Houston at the time. And and uh, his impact really can't I, I don't know if it can be overstated, but like he I, I feel like he doesn't get sometimes the recognition he, he kind of deserves. But, uh, but yeah, so I got Yao. And then honorable mentions, I got T-Max, Springer, and Clyde Drexler. Oh, and J.J. Watt. T-Mac. And Jose Altuve. Dude, just think about that. Like, we're not arguing that J.J. is not a top five all-time Houston sports no. athlete. That's insane. If you yeah. had told, if you had told me that four years ago, I'd have told you you're out your mind. <laughs> I, I think it's be, just – 
because of the last four you know like he can't stay healthy no right but like I, the, but four years ago you would have i mean the, i guess you could have predicted injuries maybe but i JJ still would jj watt's peak was higher than aaron donald is right now it was yeah. yes. something we haven't seen yes i mean legit should have won nfl mvp mm-hmm. oh yeah that season that aaron Rodgers won over him yeah. that was the yeah. only time yeah, i think in the history of the nfl that i've been campaigning that hard for a defensive player to win the MVP. His season was unreal. Yeah, and he scored touchdowns. He scored like yeah. four touchdowns. He scored like three touchdowns out of the that offensive year. backfield. Or That's what I'm saying, field. dude. I don't know why they – yeah, it <clears> – he, um, he, he's something else, man. He, he will be remembered forever. So, my list, game number one. Um, so – and that's what I was going to ask y'all is how, how y'all based your list. I went based off of one, my, like if I, if I got into a man, I don't know. I went with what my memory serves. And, and so that's going to be a little bit biased, but I also am not stupid. So I know that Earl Campbell was an all timer in the city of Houston. So he's number two, um, Springer three, a, 3A, Altuve 3B, Altuve 3B, Biggio and Bagwell tied at fourth, and then Andre at five. I always cheat. I know it's coming, but I just – so I, I would have been biased to put Biggio over Bagwell um, because of my personal emotions with that guy. He played the same position as me, not that I was good, or he was my he was just my role model at second base, and I loved it. Uh, yeah. Bagwell was something else, and uh, – we don't win the World Series without George Springer. Nope. Why Altuve? This is the one that we need to talk about. Altuve over Biggio. Why? Projection. Mm. Title. But, okay, <sighs> the, the title I get. The title and the projection. But we can't. you can't project yet. I mean, this is not a future. This is predicting. This is a, this is a past <laughs> Mount Rushmore, not a yeah. – like, that's, like, that's like the people that after – Two seasons of Mahomes were like he is the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, no, the greatest <laughs> quarterback let's, let's of all time back. is still pl- he's still playing. Yeah, and, talking about Tom or and that yeah. didn't stop people. That still didn't stop people. Very true. Um, yeah, can't no, project. I, I, you can't project in this argument. I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take that one on the chin. So but if you I take the projection out, three, you, I still would go Springer three A and Biggio. I mean, yes, Biggio three B. That's fine, but if you take projections out, you have Biggio over him. Yes. Okay. Right, right now in this moment, Biggio over Altuve. Um, I think Altuve, at this point in his career, has a better following. Even before the World Series, has a better following than Biggio ever did. Maybe. Not Maybe. ever. Not. I'm sorry. Not ever did, but did at that point in his career. Maybe the the problem with Tuve is he's got a lot. I mean, in Houston, obviously, you know, we're not too worried about it. But as in Biggio's following in Houston was just as big, but it's like the national brand is where Tuve was bigger. Yeah. But I think that took that a hit. That could be a social media. I think thing that took that, a hit yeah. in a couple of last couple of years. So I, I would got agree. Rebuilding there. And then Bagwell, but, I, I, I didn't know until like dead ass honest truth. Uh, I didn't know that people would put Bagwell over Biggio in their all-time Houston sports athletes until like oh, yeah. a year, the until peak a was year higher. ago. What? The peak was higher. Right, but mm-hmm. the peak w- his peak was like before I was 
that into baseball. That's fair. So that was kind of like right. Well, I don't want to say right whenever I was. Ninety-eight was right before I started following sports religiously. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was literally like right. I think two thousand and two thousand one were probably the first years that I followed it religiously. Mm-hmm. Relatively religiously, as your faith grows older, as you get older, <laughs> God. But uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> gotta get it in there. <laughs> James, take away your uh, your worst, the right. absolute worst people. And then, so with how we did this, it's a little bit different. So go ahead and explain how you went about making your list. Because so, okay. I think all of ours will be different on how we got to our list. Okay, so I was struggling with how to make my list. So I just went with the people, not necessarily players, that hurt Houston sports the most. <laughs> um, take that for what it is. All right, so number one on the list is David Carr. Oh, <laughs> the problem with David—he was on my list too. <laughs> is he sucked? That was, was the problem. So, is he was fucking. He was a awful. good dude and really bad at football. Yeah, and, and it was, it, the situation was—it was just like a perfect storm of hey, it's a bad quarterback here. We have to take a quarterback with this first overall pick because you know you got to have a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. So we'll just take whoever's the best. All right, I guess it's this David Carr guy. Well. He, he sucked, but it's kind of also on the Texans for reaching right there. We should have um, known we were fucked when he dropped his headlight coming out of the tunnel at the first game. <laughs> I just, I can just remember um, Bullets, just watching dude. him of him just falling down every time anyone got near him. Like there was, he got beat up because he had an awful offensive line and that sucked, but oh, there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of fight in the dude, I don't think. Um, yeah. Whether that's his fault <laughs> or not. You remember when he grew his hair out? Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> but, okay, dad. so remember when so Matt Schaub didn't grow his hair out? Yeah, he still he had no hair. Nah, so the quarterbacks in that class at Woody. third overall was Joey Harrington taken by the Lions. Oh, and sixteen, oh. baby. I do not think he was any good. Patrick Ramsey, no. thirty-two overall. It was just an awful quarterback class. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, hey, I have another first or worst idea. We should okay. do draft classes for different positions between now and the oh, draft. Josh, sure. Josh McCown was in that draft. All time. I would have rather had Josh McCown, to be honest. Yeah, he, he went in the really third good. round. David Garrard went in that draft. So basically what I'm saying is if you don't think you have to take a quarterback number one overall. Don't. Guess who went number two in that draft? Don't tell me. Julius Peppers. Could you imagine oh having Julius Peppers? God. I fucking love Julius Peppers. Wait, and Can didn't we, we get Mario him? Williams like a year later? Or that no, same draft. that was that was way that later. Was that was Gary's okay. first draft. Okay. Remember because that was they that, was, that, was, that, was, that was over that was VY. Bush and, that, that was, was over yeah. Vy and Bush. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I still I still think was the right pick. To be totally honest with you, man. Ah, yeah, that's think an argument for another. For all, that's an I argument think for another day. For all but three there. you can yeah, and I I see the other argument. Absolutely. Basically, my problem with Carr is he sucked and he set the franchise back years because they just stuck with him when he was garbage. Um, number two, the other player is uh, Mike Fires for reasons obvious <laughs> to everyone here. Fuck that rat. Oh, um, all right, so then next is Tillman Fertitta. Um, I went into it a little <laughs> bit earlier, but basically the Rockets' downfall started when Tillman bought the team. He's a cheap yeah. ass. Um, and which, you know, he's, he's in it for the business. He's not here to win. I just, I don't want him as my owner. 
Um, uh, He's the fourth, least secure of any owner in sports. It's all fourth, in entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Fourth, I'm just going to mention, I'm not going to talk about it because I'm sure Jorfi has something to say about him, but it's Bob. It's B.O.B. The notorious B.O.B. Oh, it's it's coming. Don't yeah. you worry, big boy. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and then number five, I couldn't really think of a number five. I was struggling with that one. Um, I guess if I had to pick, I don't know. I don't want. I don't really want to hate on any other players because I can't think of any others that pissed me off. (laughs) I mean, I was, but this was like, yeah, the Texans sucked, and we knew they sucked, and it was always like, hey, they're still a new team, so we just used that excuse to get by. (laughs) I I had to be a little bit closer to the situation, (laughs) you know. And we don't have like any like brutal missed kicks, like you know, some Chris Brown man have. Chris Um, Brown had a couple in there after he had a really after he beat the Colts. So oh, I totally forgot about that. Flounder, do you uh, want to take center stage or do you want me and me bring up the rear or how do you want to handle this? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with mine uh, next. So my number one worst, just because of recency bias, and this will change to be one of the first because he is one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA is James Harden. Uh, number two, and this is purely contract related, and it I, I kind of blame John Elway a little bit for this one because – he offered him. Oh, I know where the good one. That's a, how did I not think <laughs> oh, of that? That's, that's a such great a one. good one. Go ahead, get it out. It's my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Our boy Brockweiler. <laughs> oh. oh man, that's a that is a good one, Flounder. So let's good one. Refresher on, on what happened. Finesse God. Uh, is, contra- he the, uh, is he the is he the most badass dude in the world? Like, <laughs> dude, yeah, have you ever seen a guy get so much money for not doing a damn thing? Not in the NFL. Holy <laughs> shit. Definitely not in the NFL. In the NBA, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no. So, I think, so, Thunder, I think we should do a quick recap for everyone um, about what, what, what ha- happened with the Osweiler. So, in, in fairness, in fairness, Brock Osweiler was one of the hottest, if not the hottest, free agents on the market that offseason because the Broncos had just won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was retiring. Gary and everybody wanted him to stay in Denver, uh, but John Elway wasn't willing to budge, so it seemed, on the amount of money that they were willing. I don't even remember what the contract was. It was absurd. But Yeah, Houston so he signed up. In, Houston yeah. signed him for four years, $72 million. <laughs> I forgot it was $72 million. <laughs> Yeah. And, and then we shipped Matt Schaub. Uh, I don't know if we shipped Matt Schaub out that season. It was probably a couple years before that to Oakland for a six-round pick. But, uh, yeah, basically, Brock Osweiler came in, was supposed to be the answer to Houston's quarterback woes, and uh, was just another unfortunate name on the long jersey of <laughs> of Houston quarterbacks that's probably going to extend now that Deshaun wants out. <laughs> so. Yeah, so, so basically he filled in for Peyton Manning when he was hurt. Looked like the real deal. Everyone was convinced. Texas gave him the four-year $72 million. Um, He sucks. We decide we don't want him anymore. But he has so much money left that we have to trade away picks. We gave up a second <laughs> round pick to get rid of him to the Browns, yep. um, who cut him because they didn't want him. And then the Broncos got him back on one year, less than a million dollar contract. <laughs> that I remember is how when John Elway finessed <laughs> everything. Oh, good God. All oh, right, back shit. to the list. Wow. What, 
Hey, hold on. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. That, that's memory guy. lane for everyone. Oh, Four years, goodness. 72 million. Nostalgia we're, is the greatest. We're about to go down a little bit more memory lane. I don't, again, I don't know how good y'all's memory is, but um, <laughs> number three on my list has got to be Ed Reed. <clears throat> we really thought Ed Reed was going to be the answer, not even an answer, just going to be like a, another massive piece to the Houston defense. I don't remember how many games he actually played for the Texans. Paid him a ton of money to come down here after, I think it was after the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012. Is that when they won? When they, it was Harbaugh? And then uh, Ray retired and, and that whole defense was breaking up. And I, I want to say I was in college. I think it was after 12. Okay, so anyways, Ed Reed has to be on this list if, if for no other reason than – well, I, I don't know. I guess it was just the duration and the contract and the situation that was surrounding it. And it was just it, – it really should have been the first signal that the Texans don't know how to handle free agents. <laughs> I mean, there are tev- there's – the next guy on my list is going to be another example of that the Texans definitely don't know how to handle free agents, and that is Amon Green. I don't know if you all remember him. He had a really good career with the Packers. I think he won a Super Bowl, maybe. I honestly don't remember. He was there with, like, Donald Driver. I think that was still when Brett Favre was playing pre-Aaron Rodgers, so maybe it wasn't the Super Bowl. But it was another guy that, like, we we wanted to shore up running back and uh, brought him in. I think he was hurt in his first game ever. He, he got the guy that was wearing his number to give him his number. It was a whole story. And then I think we only got about three or four games out of him. I don't know. We might have gotten a season. I, I, I honestly don't remember. He had the weirdest crew of people that I've ever seen an NFL player go around with either. And then after that, I, it's got to be Jason Babin just because, again, I, I mean, these are all contract related. It, <laughs> the first sign of uh, that Jason Babin was going to be a terrible defender, which should have been the tattoos. But uh, just the fact that most of y'all probably don't even know who the hell this guy is. I think speaks for itself. One of the more forgettable guys that I would like to forget in the history of the Texans. And I mean, there's plenty of other guys on the Texans. Didn't he go ball out with like the Eagles or somebody after that? He didn't really go ball out. He went to Carolina, I believe, and then did okay. No, okay. There was a defensive end that left us for the Eagles that played really good after he. Oh, yeah. You're thinking of Connor Barwin. Oh, yep, yep, yep. We but he was never good here. Go. We just didn't pay him. Right. Yeah, you know, exactly. It was... We just didn't pay him. And he, he loved the city of Houston, too. He he was – yeah, he, he was a great guy. Um, could, you know, he was one of those guys that, that you wanted to keep in the locker room, especially because of who we drafted, I think, right after that in Sam Montgomery. <laughs> I don't know if you all remember Sam Montgomery from LSU. He ended up on Les Miles uh, – I guess it was infamous, this little – sign of practice, uh, players that did not practice or did not complete their workouts or whatever the week before and then ended up being a complete washout in the NFL. So I've gone over five. So continue. Did, <laughs> you know what I found out the other day, speaking of ends that left the Texans, did you know that Brooks Reed is still in the league? Yep. <clears throat> he went to the Falcons for a long time. I don't know where he is now, though. He's on the Titans. Dude, that whole team with um, – I think we had – Trying to remember who the dude with dreadlocks was. Um, Dante Robinson, maybe? I can't remember. We had him. We had a crazy good linebacker. I mean, we had Brian Cushing. Dude, the Texans could have been, and we were so good for, you know, a while. Like, we, we really were competitors. 
it was just <laughs> I don't want to say bad coaching there for a little bit, but it definitely was. They were just at their best at the best. Like so, that was when the Patriots were on a roll. Like, yeah. If they, if they would have had the same team they did about a year, probably two or three years later, they probably could have made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't disagree. That that year, the uh, Matt Schaub got hurt, and then Matt Leinart got hurt, and TJ Yates had to go in. That was one of Arian Foster's best seasons. I mean, we still had Vontae Leach on the team. We had a decent offensive line. Chris Myers was one of the best centers in, in – I mean, probably the best center in the history of the Texans. Yeah, I mean, maybe things are different if we're not running TJ Yates out and against the uh, on the road the Ravens against, the, against uh, was it the Ravens it or the, was it the Pats? I thought it was the Pats, but either way, we did. Might have been we, the Pats. Game. we had a shot there at the end. Like it, we did I one of each. What the same thing that happened against both of them? One was Yates, and one I think they might well, have been no, both. So I, I remember thinking we, it, from what I remember, if I could be wrong, but. What I remember is thinking, oh, man, we're about to get blown out, and this is an ugly game. It's not worth watching. But then there at the end, I think we scored and, like, we're punting away, and we just had to get the ball back with a chance to tie, and Jacoby Jones runs a punt back. Or maybe it was a kickoff back. Ooh, you remember that? Jacoby Jones, Texan jersey. I know he ran one back on us, and I don't remember what the – I know it put the game away. That's all I remember. That was the season – dude – I, I, people don't remember how good of a return man Jacoby Jones really was. I don't know if I would put him up there with Hester and some of those guys, but like he's, I, I don't see how he's not top five. He was a bad dude. Yeah, what, the longest kickoff return in the history of the uh, Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's got to be in that conversation. Where, where I still are have you? A Texas jersey fits. Where are you at on your list? Oh, I already went through all five. Okay, all right. All righty, boys. To quote one of my favorite movies, The Campaign, welcome to the <laughs> MFN show. It's time to get down to the nitty gritty. My worst. Oh, wait, real quick. I looked it up. Um, it was the Ravens with TJ Yates, and we lost by seven, and oh. TJ Yates threw three interceptions. Oh, I remember oh. that game. <laughs> and, they, and Jacoby Jones ran a kickback. I'd be shocked oh. if he didn't. Uh, who who was the coach of that team? Dude, they didn't run uh, one back. Was it Gary? Yeah. Oh, that team? Yeah, that was definitely Gary. That okay. was that was their first playoffs. Okay. They, well, they, they came in and beat uh, yeah, Cincinnati. That was JJ got the interception. Regardless, it <laughs> is time. You know, since we started this pod, I want to say April 18th or 19th of 2020, there have been two things that we have not shaded or shied away from. Number one, that we are a team mond pod. Kellen, oh, yeah. you are our boy. Go ball out. 100%. Number two, it is not a secret that I hate Bill O'Brien. He was I'll not a nice part. person. He, he hurt a lot a nice of people's person. feelings. You don't give birds. <laughs> the, the dude was a piece of shit. I'm, I'm tired of being nice. Good riddance. Goodbye. Don't ever want to see you again. I do not feel bad about you getting canned because you got some money with it and you tore this franchise apart. Between you and Jack Easterby, this this city, I, I y'all are age. Y'all, y'all spread it to the Rockets. You spread it to the Astros. Now the whole city. I'm not ever going to go in Houston. That's probably why you have COVID, James. That is probably why you have COVID. 
Bob, I, I thank would... you. But now you want to go to Alabama. And guess what? Jimbo is coming <laughs> for your ass. Jimbo <laughs> and Mike Elko are coming for you. Hayback is a son of a bitch. You know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I'm not ready for it. He's, he's going to go to Alabama. And he's going to get another job. I, I know. I know. Yeah. He's going to have a bunch of five stars, and they're going to win a lot of games, and they're going to score a lot of points, and you're going to be even more mad. And then he's going to get another head coaching job somewhere. And then Vanderbilt's going to be like, hey, what up, Bob? Uh, oh, he'll get something <laughs> better than that. Yeah. I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I don't think it'll be in the NFL, but I think – I mean, no. think about the last time he was, he was in college. college. He was, he was, he he was, was college. I mean, he was still kind of arrogant back then. But, oh, he's always been arrogant. That's just the type yeah. of person he is, but he's a good college coach. That's, um, you know, the only other people I had on my list that are worth talking about that we haven't talked about, David Carr was – so I made a list, and I was just going to go through it. Uh, people that were bad at their job and people that were bad people. Um, David Carr – was really the only guy I came up that was bad at his job that I really hated. Oh, and Chris yeah. Carter. Oh, that, that's a that's a good one too. Yeah, like See, the problem is a lot Carter. of the people that were bad you didn't expect to be good. They didn't weren't paid right. well. And another one that's Except climbing like that, that list is Forrest Whitley, and I don't think that's because he's bad at his job. I think it's because he can't quit smoking the reefer, but. <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, you, know, you just hear all this stuff about these guys and you build them up in your head. I think baseball is the closest thing to um, college sports in the NFL because, like, there's the minor league system where you're like, hey, we got this guy coming up. You just get ready. And then they don't do shit because they're a bust. And I think that's pretty interesting. Somebody told me that the other day. And uh, Bud Adams, you took the Oilers from us. You should have been patient. There was a new stadium coming like three years later. I hate you because I never got to experience the Oilers the way I should have. And now I have to yeah. cheer for the shitty Texans. Um, Dude, I would so much rather be a Titans fan. Like, are you shitting me? I don't like their logo and stuff. but I Me like... neither, but their team and their coach, man. Oh, yeah. The organization. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the only other one I want to talk about before we shut the show down for today, y'all forgot enemy number one, Chandler yeah. Parsons. Oh my why? god, I forgot about. Chandler Wait, Parsons. why? <laughs> he was like, if my best player moved to a different city, I would hate him too and boo him when he came back. Man, fuck you, you. We liked you because you were a white guy that could ball. Exactly. Wait, why would? Why are you hating on Parsons? Dude, do you way. not remember the whole city had a vendetta against him because after yeah. he he signed uh, or whatever, the way he left town was so shitty, and then he decided to uh, shit talk Houston on his way mm -hmm. out. You know why? Okay, here's what happened. You don't fucking know the story. What happened was he was on a he was a restricted free agent, right? And I thought, and he they, told, they we, told the team he wanted to come back, and they said, okay. Um, go out, get your offer. We'll match it, right? That's how it works. He goes, and gets offered, mm -hmm. and then they match it. He goes, and gets the offer from Dallas. Yeah, but offer. Dallas had an offer that we couldn't match. True. How is that his fault? No, we could have. We could that's have. That's not the problem. We could the have tied him up. Was the shit we could have tied him up the earlier. City of Houston afterwards. We could have tied him up earlier, you but don't we didn't. talk shit about the city. You don't talk shit about the fans. He was up. He was he, he was pissed because he was told he was going to stay in Houston. That's what he wanted to do, and the ownership said, "Ah, we don't want to pay you that much." Made and millions. Just I talk shit about ownership. the but he ownership. didn't. So why are you? I mean, you didn't want to leave. You are in the minority here in the city of Houston. 
Very true. I don't I don't understand the Chandler Parsons hate. I'm just letting you know <laughs> you were wrong. There's there I may be over exaggerating, but there is damn sure some hate towards Chandler Parsons. And then now Dallas hates him too for the way he exited there and exactly. talked shit about them too. <laughs> just, dude, dude, he's I was just burning about bridges. He's burning bridges left and right, bro. <laughs> Uh, I was literally just thinking that, man. <laughs> y'all have anything else y'all want to talk about? Nah. I'm ready to go get some dinner. Okay. Alrighty, everybody. That's all we have for y'all this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a huge thank you to Aaron Torres. Thank you, man, for hopping on with us today. We really appreciate it. Be with us next week. We have some stuff coming up on the website, dashboards or dash txports.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Got some new stuff popping up on there. Still working on Cole Kubelik. We'll see how that goes. He's a he's a tough cookie. He's he's busy man, and there's a reason that we want him. But he's a good guy. We're hoping to get him on. We hope to get Woody back on for some more segments here shortly because we need him to do some TikTok dances. <laughs> and with that, we'll see you on the other side. Take it easy. Nice execution. You're doing terrific.